0: Welcome to Grow Your Financial Advisory Practice podcast by Snap Projections, episode 55. I'm your host, Pavel Davensky, and my goal is to interview experts to provide you with insights, strategies, and actionable tactics that you can start applying to grow your financial advisory practice today. For more information and additional content, head over to snapprojections.com podcast. Now, let me introduce today's guest. Today's guest is Zach Smith. Zach is a Senior Manager of Financial Planning and Wealth Strategies at Segium, an independent wealth management firm in Calgary. He holds his Chartered Accountant, Certified Financial Planner, and Chartered Life Underwriter designations, and is a regular attendee of Calgary chapter events through the Society of Estate and Trust Practitioners, STEP, and CPA, Alberta. Zach is a founding member of the newly formed Financial Planning Association of Canada, FPAC in short, and also volunteers his time with the CPA Financial Literacy Program, as well as is involved in mentorship through the business department at Montreal University. Zach has recently been named the 2019 winner of the PlanPlus Canada Financial Planning Awards and second runner up of the PlanPlus Global Awards program for the Americas region.
1: Zach, welcome to the show. Thanks, Paul. It's a pleasure to be on here. As you know, I'm a longtime listener of the podcast. So I was honored to get the chance to be on it. And I'm looking forward to the interview.
0: I'm looking forward as well. So let's jump right in. So tell me a little bit about your firm, about Sagium. So, what do you do at the firm? As a firm, basically, what do you do and who do you typically serve?
1: Yeah, so I've been with Sagium for about five years and they've experienced some pretty significant growth over that time. So as a firm, Sagium is a comprehensive financial planning firm. There's several different areas in which they serve as far as being able to discretionary manage investments, also be able to execute on any risk management or estate, so any insurance type requirements. And they also have implementation in private healthcare and group benefits. And uh, I guess the the underlying, or I guess what puts that all together is then the aspect of planning, which is predominantly where, where my focus is.
0: Excellent. So that's great. We'll come back to the, the planning here. So uh, uh, in terms of the size of the firm, I don't know which you're you know, comfortable or allowed to share, but in terms of number of staff, advisors, or average client, or that would be really useful for the context. Is there anything else that you could try?
1: Yeah, you bet. So uh, we're about 30 staff now. So we have EGM side of things. We have six wealth strategists. So they're, they started their careers being able to give advice on investments and, like I mentioned, insurance solutions. And obviously, uh, all of them are, are CFPs by trade, so well-versed in the planning aspect of things. And then uh, we actually work with a discretionary money manager, and their name's Kinstead. So that's the other part of the firm. They've got three main portfolio managers over there, as well as a team of associate portfolio managers. And so the companies kind of work together just to have that balance between insurance, investments, and, and overall planning.
0: The rest of the team then is staff and support. Makes sense so so that's uh yeah so that's uh, you know that's uh, already a uh, number of people in the firm so that's great and now and they're always curious you know if you are going to take me back to your early days like what made you become an advisor in the first place
1: yeah no that's a great question. I've got a little bit of a different background than than some of the guests on on the podcast so far in that I'm not a true business owner and my my first level of experience is a little bit a little bit different so as you mentioned i'm I'm an accountant by trade if you go way back. And so that kind of came about in a unique way, did my my business degree. And then in my third year, it just so happened that the markets were uh, taking a little bit of turmoil. And, and a lot of people obviously remember 2008. I kind of called an audible on, on my career. So I've always been passionate about uh, personal finances and, and financial planning. But I, I had a few friends who had taken their finance degrees at that point in time and, and were looking for work. So I, I decided to switch the accounting program, and through that, completed my degree and ended up at that point in time, uh, registering into the the, the CA program. So I, I spent I spent five years firm life, kind of paying my dues, and eventually, you know, my takeaways from that firm life it was a very valuable experience for me. I, I built some great relationships. I got a, I always joke with those who I keep in touch with a lot of people from the firm. And the greatest takeaways, I guess, that I had from there on on top of building a, a pretty unique skill set that's that's very adaptable to, to, to my career now is that the, the kind of importance of work-life balance. And also just, uh, it just stressed the importance to me and my accountant friends are going to You know, ribbed me for this one, but I really wanted to. I I like seeing the associated value with the work that I do. So, obviously, you know, the switch to being a financial advisor, you know, you're putting these solutions in place and recommendations and working directly with clients. It's just a, to be able to then see them kind of take control and, and implement some of these solutions and, and maintain those relationships is, was was a cool well was the end goal and, and the reason for getting back to the financial advisory, financial services side of the things.
0: That makes that makes a lot of sense. And uh, really an accountant uh, yeah turned you know advisor financial planner. I mean that's a that's a really good entry to the business because accounting is especially uh, such a huge portion and part of financial planning. I mean it it, it gives you really good uh, hard skills to to really be extremely effective when it comes to uh, creating financial plans for for clients so i want to talk about your uh, some of the recognition that you've got from the fund Plus canada financial planning awards competition we'll come back to it in a second because maybe, maybe there's there is uh, there's part to the accounting there right <laughs> you've built your skills very quickly with a great firm and, uh, and now you're applying this when you're working with clients so okay so tell me a little bit about your process right now at stadium is as a senior manager of financial planning do you have a a typical process, or I know you've been sort of adapting the process and improving this process as we go along, because we've been chatting in the past, but tell us maybe a little bit more about your process. So what really happens when, when there is new prospect, for example, and all the way when they become a client? And how do you start the financial planning process? with them?
1: Yeah, so that's a great question. And yeah, it has been kind of an evolution since I got here. So I guess on a high level, we engage similar to a lot of the other experts on the show, which is... For new clients, we, we do engage and charge that upfront planning fee, which we think is important both for engagement. We find it's kind of a, a good point to get uh, the client committed to the process. And and their understanding then at that point in time is very critical as far as what those steps are. And I don't think we differ too much from, from other other firms is kind of the the deep dive, jumping in, making sure we get all the, the right information. While at the same time, our our wealth strategists, you know, who, who maintain those relationships, are really good at bringing out the let's call it the softer side of things, but really the things that drive those financial decisions. So yeah, we're we're kind of gather gather information. Me and my team, I'll you know, take on some of the financial facts. We've also got some some cool you know, exercises to to more so dive into the client's vision, their values, and then ultimately set some some initial, at least initial goals that we can then run through in some detail and kind of set up that next conversation with the client, which is a good starting point. And then future Conver, yeah Yeah, I guess expanding on those conversations, getting a sense of where they're at is very important for that next stage, which is being able to help them make any adjustments necessary. And that's, that's my and my, my team's responsibility is, is kind of brainstorming with our, our wealth strategist after each of these meetings along the path and, and process of things just to make sure we're uniquely identifying What's important to that client and then, and then helping them continue to execute and that all important implementation phase as far as getting them to take action on what we're taking in place or at least have them aware of, of how some of their decisions, if they don't decide to pursue them, may impact their, their plan over time. So, yeah, that's kind of the, the nature of our, our process. So I, I've got kind of a dual, a, a dual role the obviously we've we've built a team. Uh, I've got a couple of planners who work for me. So a, a lot of uh, I really enjoy the teaching aspect of things there as well as kind of a, a review role where that goes with that teaching, making sure that we're we're taking all all things into consideration when we're looking at any situation. And I guess the second part of that is then more of the the strategy or, or specialist role, which which we touched on earlier, just with my background. It's that ability to work with our our wealth strategists on on a lot of the more complex client cases. So we've I think I talked briefly about kind of the structure of the firm, but we've got you know we've got a, a wide range. I didn't touch on 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 the assets under management or that were kind of the net worth aspect of things, but we've got some clients who are, are kind of just starting. Their their careers and, and looking for guidance under you know a pretty aggressive wealth trajectory and we've got uh, kind of the majority of our clients which are retirees with a different level of planning and I, I like to differentiate between that accumulation aspect of things and, and deaccumulation but yeah I, I, we get a wide range of kind of requests so on as a that specialist role I'm. I'm working on kind of some of the income strategies for those accumulators. And then the all-important de side of things, you know, putting putting that tax strategy in place to not be the, the only focus area for a client in particular, but to have that awareness of kind of the short-term planning that you can do to, to put them in a good position with that that long-term view. And then just taking, you know, all of those other aspects into account and, and making sure we're keeping that strategy. You know, adapting year over year as we continue to to help them in, and review that plan.
0: That makes sense. So you touched on a lot of important things here. So first of all, I want to go back to the planning fee, which is which is great because you know there's uh, otherwise you're, yeah, you yeah you might be devaluing the value of financial planning, really. So you have the planning fee, that's great. And um, you mentioned that uh, how we work as part of the team, and that's that's a really really interesting structure, right? Because a lot of a lot of people, a lot of advisors, I talk to. They are there. You know, one advisor maybe just uh, an assistant. Maybe uh, you know, there's affiliation with, uh, with somebody on the insurance side. But but you have a completely different structure. You have uh, several, I would say, more junior financial planners working with you. There's wealth strategy a component to it, and you sort of oversee the whole thing. So so on one side, it's much more complex environment, right, for you. So we have to sort of navigate, and there is a and, and maybe think about you know whether you know what would be more suitable to actually help this one client. But on the other hand, you, know, you have the the luxury that you have all those different people, different skill sets, so you can take on you know very different clients. Because as you mentioned, I mean, clients in their accumulation phase and who are just starting—they are completely different clients. Who, are, for example, have accumulated one or two million dollars in assets and they are just about to retire. And. We just so happen we're talking about uh, when there is a, some market volatility so i think the dow this morning was two percent up by the end of the interview might be minus two percent i don't know if there's some there has been some big swings but so uh, so this is kind of interesting so have you noticed in terms of volatility just recently have you noticed that you know, maybe the volume of uh, calls from some from retirees or pre-retirees has increased people are talking to their wealth advisors and, and planners about hey what's what's going on should i stay the course as you mentioned i mean that's critical. For them to be able to actually get to where they want, but I, this is kind of more 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 timely right now. So have you have you seen any of those kind of conversations that were sparked because of the volatility of the markets just recently? We
1: uh, yeah exactly. We, we picked a good time for this call as far as showing the value of financial planning. I would say for sure. To answer your first question on on additional calls, we haven't. You know, we're, we're pretty early in some of this volatility, but I would say. A lower number than, than expected. Uh, obviously, our, our money managers are a, a little more busy just with kind of managing some of that behavioral aspect of things. But from a planning front, I think this, you know, the value of leading with planning and, and getting all, you know, our goal of getting all of our clients engaged in that process, you know, provides some comfort around some of those things. You know, that being said, we try and illustrate and, you know, with the help of, of softwares like your own. We're able to kind of do a good job doing scenario analysis for our clients, whether that volatility exists now or in the future. We know what's going to happen, um, so being a little proactive in that side of things, kind of managing those scenarios up front, I think you know lends to the fact that we're not you know getting panicked calls in these times. Uh, can we do a little better? Absolutely, and that's continues to evolve over, over time. And, and that's kind of been my, you know, I, I've been in this, this industry for about five years. And I, I think my the biggest area, I've got a long ways to go, you know, but like like many others who, who kind of take this job very seriously and, and continuously want to improve, we're always looking for new ways to, again, continue to manage clients' expectations. And, and the greatest compliment we can kind of get as planners is that the work that we're doing kind of I don't want to say it avoids the conversations in in times of volatility. We obviously want our clients to call and be engaged with where their money is at at on a certain basis, but those conversations then change to, you know, this scenario of the plan is, is kind of taking shape. What's our, what's our contingency plan or what, what, you know, what's the impact of things and how do we, you know, change and, and change either you know change behavior or change some of the goals or move timelines around so that we're we're ready
0: and prepared and that I think gives gives the clients a lot of comfort in in the work that we do makes sense absolutely and it's not about avoiding the conversations really it just as you said it's it's just really addressing and educating the client right because once they have that uh, understanding and, and and they're properly educated and their their some of the objections are addressed i mean then you get to the diff- different different conversations and, and it's more valuable conversations with them about some of the strategies which they may not have been for example open to if you didn't have those conversations earlier right so so it's natural it's it's actually fascinating to me how those two kind of relationships Evolve, and I think that's that's a unique part of the retail market, right? Uh, we had some advisors that switch from the institutional money management to retail because because that just offers this, you know, the ability to be to offer those practical solutions and and see how those solutions are implemented. There are some new challenges associated with that, or different challenges, but um, that's how it works. So, I mean, you you mentioned you've been in the industry for five years, but uh, you've achieved so much uh, so far, and I, I've been watching your progress in the industry as well. So, well, let's talk about the, some of the panic uh, competition as well because, I mean, the question really what I I want to talk a little bit about is, is, you know, how do you think about becoming a better financial planner, better financial advisor. And I think the competition is, is, is really, you know, potentially one way of, of sharpening your your skills. But tell us a little bit more about your experience with, with the competition, especially in the context of, you know, whether it helped you to become a better planner. And when, what do you do? And how do you think about really becoming a better at what you do every day?
1: Yeah, no, that's, that's a great question. And so as the competition goes, and I'll throw a little plug right now because they are accepting, you know, plans, plan pluses, in that round of accepting plans from advisors right now, so to so those listening who kind of want to test or you know just take a look at some of the ways that you do planning the goal of me entering the competition. I'm I was always just cognizant that hey, is there any metrics to what we actually do in this industry as far as you know a standard for what we're we're delivering to our clients? I I came across the plan Plus Global Awards. It took a couple of years to I would say get comfortable with you know the pro a defining our process with our clients because that's kind of evolved over the last little while and then evolving our our plan report to a point where i felt comfortable that we we could make a submission that was obviously last year and we had some some success there but as far as uh, you know the value coming out of that even even just to have your your deliverable kind of measured by a team of experts from the industry and they've they've got some great people who are who are actually marking giving feedback on on your plan it's just a great exercise and that was my main main intent through entering and so i guess to give a little more more context around the specifics of my my, one of the pieces of my role just with the the magnitude of like i mentioned at the beginning we have kind of you know 10 plus relationship managers that's our wealth strategists our wealth counselors on the the portfolio management side of things and then a number of in-house advisors. My department does financial plans for all of all of those aspects of things. So over time, we're kind of, you know, we're tasked with doing quite a lot of financial plans. And it just because because of the magnitude of the, the plans that we are we are helping our those wealth strategists and wealth counselors with, we're not able to sit in the room every time we present the plans. So clarity became kind of the utmost piece in, in developing our, our outputs, our, our plan reports, so that it just made the conversation a lot easier
0: with the clients. And you're talking about the clarity of the plan, right? The clarity of the, the financial plan.
1: Yeah, exactly. And just that connection with our, my goal and where I've gotten really good feedback from, from our advisors is it's just it's evolved and it's become a lot easier we, we all know those two who engage in the meetings that it you know it can take left and right and those kind of turns when you're actually meeting with the clients so what we've tried to do is just make sure that you know when they're leaving that meeting if a certain thing doesn't get covered we we've either you know laid out properly what that action plan or next step is whether that's you know one two three areas we, we all know clients. You know and just people in general can only actionably complete a few things at a time. So the importance of kind of and um, we switch our focus, you know, client to client, you know, time to time as far as you know what those major points are that we're we're emphasizing in the plan report. But yeah, my my goal is is that the conversation is, is obviously the most important part, but if we can you know, make those deliverables understandable so that when conversations defer, the clients still have something to come back to, you know, whether it's advice they can execute themselves or it's gonna to lead to that next conversation. That that kind of linking is is that critical aspects of things that can
0: sometimes get lost if you don't have those takeaways. That's really interesting and it's really insightful because I mean this really tells us a little bit about you know where you found success basically in, in terms of adapting your process. So so, yeah, so the clarity of financial plans and, and having sort of the clear next steps and, and following up on that and linking this back to the strategies of clients, that all makes sense. Is there something else where you found success, basically, in building your team and scaling your team and then supporting those sort of you know, wealth strategies? And whether you are in that room, as you said, and sometimes where, where you're not going to be in a room, is there, is there anything else to it? It's a really interesting area.
1: Yeah, I mean... I- for us, we're, and I think the the reason I, I I really enjoy the role is that it's again with that scale of people that we are we're providing advice to. You kind of you see things, and again, just with the the good relationships that we have with our our advisors and the feedback we get from their meetings it's just really helped us to you know it, we've adapted the process over time to kind of see different trends in in the way people interpret the information we're trying to convey to them and and that kind of leads to us and and my team then taking that back and saying how do we you know better ourselves we've seen this a few times now and and how do we kind of ad- adapt things so that that clarity you know continues to evolve and you know, in the end of the game, or right at the end of the day, you have just you know a better client experience was the, the number one thing, and and the
0: reason we're. We're doing this excellent so i have one more question about that because this is a really interesting area so and i think a lot of people are just uh or a lot of advisors are, are they have a process that kind of works for them they saw they, they see that well we may need to improve it in, in some areas but they don't have this consistent cadence that i i think you've got in your practice that you basically go back look at the feedback of all the people who are there and sort of improve the product or improve the service in this case so to improve the outcome so, how do you do that internally? Because, I mean, there's every time you change the process, there is a downstream effect to all the people that basically work with you, right? There is a QA process. You're reviewing those plans. So, how do you do that? Or how do you do this successfully? Really does the question. So, you can, you, you get to, you get to focus on the right feedback that gets to your team about how we can improve the process and, and how do you improve those, this existing process? Is this, you know, weekly activity that you have? I don't know. 4 hours you know per week or per month to basically work on the process or is this kind of you know feedback analysis after the meeting or how do you do that really really interesting
1: yeah we try and structure as much as possible to have what we call our debrief meetings after you know those plans have been presented and that's where a lot of the good feedback comes from from our advisor team as far as conveying you know maybe it wasn't as clear in in a certain area and it was more clear in others so that's that's the formal process of things are, you know, our, my advisors and the ones I work with, you know, they'll they'll just kind of swing by my office when they have an idea or, or something like that. So that's, you know, I've, I've owned, like you said, uh, there's a lot of inputs and outputs and, and, and managing time and expectations and, and team. But I, I kind of have an open door policy. And I think that's really benefited us from both feedback from from my planning team as far as what's working in some of the challenging points as far as managing information, creating the analysis, developing the plans, and and eventually writing the reports, but also that feedback from from the advisors. So it it can come in a formal setting. It can come in the informal setting. But uh, we try and sit down at least monthly and just generate some ideas going forward of you know what's uh from from the advisor side of things i you know a client really liked this exercise particular exercise to you know they gave this great feedback on or they really liked this aspect of of the planning report and it was easy to work through so that's that's helped us evolve i guess to this point in time as far as yeah continuing to better the the advice that we we're, we're able to convey to our clients
0: yeah so so this is this is all super interesting and and i think so there's a lot of different aspects to it so there's a formal process the the debrief meeting so that that makes sense and of course the open door policy that kind of works until you have too much feedback coming in with uh, you know every single day but it looks like looks like the you know it's still manageable for you and then uh, trying to basically meet with the rest of the people on a monthly basis so that that makes a lot of sense i mean that gives you a lot of feedback now I wanted to kind of flip this back to, you know, because you highlighted some of the things that make how you make this process better and what, what were some of the successful aspects of it. But let's flip this back to the some of the challenges. What have been your, some of your challenges as you were you know, starting to refine this process or, or just working with, uh, the, with the wealth management side and trying to merge financial planning side? Or overall, what, what, what has been some of the biggest challenges in the, in the practice so far for you?
1: Yeah, good question. The for me I, again, we just talked a lot on on kind of that clarity aspect of things. I, I think what's what some of the challenges are, and it, it's get actually getting a lot better. But sometimes software can be a challenge. You know, we've got a if we're doing true comprehensive financial planning, there's a lot of different areas that you gotta you gotta touch on. And we find at this point in time, we we've got some great resources as far as you know planning software you know, if we're looking at the portfolios, all of these are different providers. So finding a way to integrate all these these great softwares, it's been, it's good and bad. You have, a, you have a lot of temptations, a lot of resources, but at the same time, it's kind of imperative right now to kind of get all these pieces working working together. And it's interesting. I just, I'm a big listener and a big follower of Michael Kitsis and he's put together his, just recently he put out kind of a survey. Well, he does a survey every year to get feedback from advisors as far as their their process and their way of doing things. And one of the out, the outtakes there was, or something that that caught my attention, among other things, of, of what he disclosed is about fifty percent of advisors down in the U.S. through the RIA model are just finding some way to kind of integrate and customize all these these different pieces to to create. Great efficiencies in in the work that they do. So that's it's been a challenging area, but there's been some. You know, you, you look at Snap, you, and you look at some of the the, the good entrants here of kind of being able to make that job a lot easier, and you know, allow us to then customize. You know, what we're able
0: to show our clients. That makes a lot of sense, and I truly, I really, truly understand what you're talking about. I mean, you you mentioned uh, the comprehensive aspect of the plan, and and that's, that's kind of interesting, right, because you have, to have those two forces playing at the same time. On one side, you want to make sure that you, you, whatever you do, whether it's, for example, retirement planning or decumulation or, for example, you know, RESP planning, educational planning for clients, you want to do this really well. At the same time, if you can't have the, the full sort of aspect of comprehensive financial planning, then it's it's kind of hard for, for you to like you kind of have to kind of more work in a more modular way and then kind of put those two different pieces together so it's also from our perspective it's hard to build really the software in a way that you're so good at so many different areas so instead of being very comprehensive and so you know very okay at being comprehensive i mean that's where we started you know retirement planning accumulation making sure that that's good and then sort of i keep you know, we kept adding other other different modules i mean most recently i think we've added charitable donations for example that's another thing and there's more things coming but that's that's so, so interesting for me to actually hear that because, you know, the tools are, you know, it's an important ingredient of, of the workflow, right? And software really, I mean, you said one of some of the challenges were on software. I mean, I totally understand that, right? Because it's software should allow you in a way that's, you know, how to make it much easier to to really work and then help your clients, right? If you if it supports the workflow that you have, that's great. If it doesn't, then, you know, there's some issues and you may need to, then depending on, you know, who you serve for, whether it's you know younger clients or little clients, you may need to use a couple of different platforms maybe. The other thing is you mentioned about Michael Kitsis, and there's kind of, I don't know if you were talking about the same article, but I remember the one that he was talking about. Uh, there was a thesis about whether financial planning, actually better financial planning software saves time. And it turns out that was illuminating to me that actually it's not about the time saving. It's actually better financial planning software makes you a better advisor. You can to do more for your clients. It's not about it doesn't really as, you know save you as time as much. I mean unless you want to use it, but it just the impact on having on making a better planner, better better advisor. That was extremely insightful to me. Yeah. It's the same
1: article or similar one. And and that was very interesting. So, but it makes sense. You know, you talk about modular planning and and you go down different roads for different clients and that leads to, you know, the important part of that is when you're conveying that information for those those people and those clients that you're doing it in a way that to you is you know provides that that clarity and that comfort for them that might you know we, you pick one thing you know retirement decumulation planning and you know you might have to Convey that in a completely different way for for kind of an analytic person or an analytic client, and and then there might be that high level one where you've still got to get your point across, and and it comes out in a different form. So I, I hear you uh, as far as the challenge of kind of making everybody happy from the software perspective, but uh, like the article said, and, and like you well know, kind of a uh, just having the tools or the engine behind things to to make sure that you're getting that that accuracy and and to help you know like you said develop the the growth as a planner the tools to be able to convey that information the actual execution and and providing that clarity is, is a different story and i don't think it's ever going to change as far as you know you're you're providing you're spending a lot more time with one client and you're you know maybe spending a little less and having to give less de- or less deliverables to another so that is the challenge for sure but as far as and again we we talked on on technology I think at this point in time and and i'm a you know if we go to the colby index i'm a a level nine fact finder which kind of helps me in my role, but the importance we're living in a a good time as far as access to information side of things and to we're we're currently working on a project here that's you know in, data is is king kind of thing. We can't fully advise and then best advise our clients without kind of doing that deep dive. And and so we're working on some program or a, a few different projects to, to kind of tie that in while also being cognizant as, as many advisors know of a client's general, I don't want to say distaste, but avoidance as far as gathering some of that information. So the balance there is, is kind of critical. And, and that's one piece uh, among a few different things that we're touching on right now is 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 focusing on that
0: yes well from the clarity standpoint you want to keep things simple but they, you have to be sufficiently detailed so your your analysis actually has the depth and, and breadth and and is actually useful so and these are you know sometimes forces that sort of pull you different directions so you mentioned a project so i i do have always a question you know what are some of the exciting projects they're working on right now and you mentioned that. Now, so let's talk a little bit more about that if you if you can of course unless it's completely under you know on wraps so you you mentioned the the sort of the data gathering project or or just is this is this really just addressed the pain point of, of streamlining the data you know, collection from from clients uh, where what was the sort of the impetus for and the the overarching sort of challenge for that project from the company's standpoint
1: yeah no I, and you noticed my great segue into the project area of the the interview like i've like I may have heard a, a few of those transitions in the past. <laughs> But no, I'm happy to discuss. So to get into the specifics, we use Salesforce as our CRM, and uh, we don't actually use their financial service cloud, which is another Platform that they have that kind of is tailored to the financial services industry. But we, instead, in lieu of that, we've kind of just with our experience of some of those those key details that you know I've discussed, depending on different stages and and the different people and, and what's going on in their lives. We've we've kind of created a, our own database in, inside Salesforce just to make sure we're we're gathering everything to to give the best advice we can. And and so that's that combination of you know what i love to do which is the, the financial side of things and and you know everything everything financial about their lives and then integrating that with what we gather about relationships you know structure family dynamic their goals vision values and all those important pieces that drive those financial decisions so we've built the database side of things and then we use kind of a combination because we like you know it, it's very important you know not to just have a you know, fill out this form, and we'll get back to you kind of thing. It's got to be an interactive piece. So we're setting up. we've set up to gather everything. And then our, our actual, you know, what we take the clients through is, is a combination of some basic financial information gathering up front, that leads to some additional details and discussion and ties into that values conversation. And then we slowly populate that database and then kind of do the checks and balances with our, our advisors or our wealth strategists, just to make sure, you know, if a certain piece of information comes up that we've got to dig a little deeper in this area and that kind of helps us build that kind of database that we can use from an advisor perspective. So the next time they're meeting with that client, they're well prepared for what that conversation is. And It's not just the financial side of things. It's coming back to the vision, values, goals. It's knowing what's changed in their lives over the years that's knowing that family dynamic and how that ties into things. So again, I, I kind of mentioned that data is key there and we're just trying to better utilize that going forward. So it's kind of an ongoing, easy touch point with our clients that as they change, you know, the goal is it's it's kind of updated live. And you know, as as strategies change, as other things change, where it just gives us kind of the upper hand to best advise them, and allows you know access kind of a second uh, second brain or retention of information piece for for our advisors, so that they're live with our with
0: with each one of their clients and giving the best advice that they can. That makes a lot of sense, and uh, that's uh, there's so many things that you can actually do with data. There's so many subprojects. sense you know, there's uh, you can utilize this for you know, first of all, you know, client meetings, having the better context. Uh, really, it's just improving really the the relationship of the, with the client. There's maybe the communication aspect, especially how to communicate with clients when you know the markets are volatile again, just as we chatted earlier in, in our conversation. So, so that's that's really interesting. So, so we're jumping around here, but I think we covered quite a bit of ground so far. So, I want to ask you about uh, you know, chips. For you, advisors to financial planners joining the industry, because, because you know, a lot, often I would uh, speak with somebody who has been in that industry for 30, maybe even 40 years, and, and their advice is going to be very different probably from your take on that. But, you know, you've been here, you know, you've been in the industry for for about five years. How would you start, you know, going back? I mean, do you think that was a pretty optimal path? Have you started? Would you do something different? What would your take on that?
1: Yeah. Again, yeah, I, I'm fairly, fairly new with uh, just the five years of experience, but I think what's kind of helped me in in building, there, there's a few things, but I'm a, I, I guess the first thing compliments for you as a listener for listening to this podcast, that's a good starting point. And then Powell compliments to you for for having the savviness to start this to kind of give perspective of of what others you know and and sometimes with long durations in the industry have seen over time that kind of helps us or it's helped me in kind of listening to this and and some other podcasts to kind of just hear what's what others who are have that like minded experience or like minded you know goal of of continuing to to evolve this this profession. Just hearing some of their stories has been very valuable for me in kind of building my and shaping my career to this point in time. And I can take those some of those stories, some of the the process pieces, some of the you know you talk a lot on on the compensation and how that model's changing. It's all of this kind of put together and and the availability of it now just with with technology has made things a lot easier to kind of take in information. And I'd say filter it is 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 the critical piece. And for me, where I've been successful is, is kind of taking those ideas and kind of shaping it to for for what I see and, and what we've established relationship-wise in, in our firm and, and and in my practice and and using those pieces that work for me and at least giving, you know, testing out uh different ones that have worked in the past or are working for advisors right now. So that's that's a valuable piece. I read a lot of articles. There's some great resources out there just to stay up on the times. And again, that that filter piece is, is is a critical piece and it allows you to kind of form your opinions and and try and stay one step ahead of the game on on serving your clients and and bettering this profession, which in the end of the day, you know, anyone listening to this podcast is you know, has that goal that we can do a lot better and continue to improve so that, that open-mindedness and, and forward-looking, you know, taking those resources and, and putting your own spin on it is going to be the way that we continue to improve this profession and the advice that we give.
0: Absolutely. So you mentioned a couple of resources. You may actually mentioned one resource, Michael Kitsis, Eric earlier in the interview, and you know he's in the U.S., also a slightly, slightly different structure, but there is a lot of things that can be actually applied in Canada. Is there anything specific apart from you know, Michael Kitsis and our podcast, and thank you for the compliments, by the way, I mean, that's why we're doing this. <laughs> we're trying to, improve the industry here and share some of the, you know, some of the really great conversations that um, I used to have basically, you know, privately with advisors. I thought, well, how can we make it a little bit more public so other people can actually learn about, you know, the because uh, some of the advisors wouldn't have really necessarily have the opportunity or even time or or inclination to share some of the the aspects. And thank you for being on a podcast, sharing some of your tips as well. So what are there any, I'm just really curious from a Canadian financial planner, financial advisor, is there anything specific that you're uh, subscribed to or you're consuming? What kind of content you're consuming on a regular basis right now?
1: Yeah, yeah. So great question. So you've, again, with this one, you've kind of duplicated and and taken a lot of the good path that the Kids' Podcast does down in, in the US. And so obviously, this one, I also listen, I'll, I'll give Jason Pereira, who you've had on the show numerous or a couple of different times. Uh, so I, I, I'm a big listener of his FinTech impacts podcast, because like I said, there's there's a lot of good resources now entering the Canadian marketplace. And so to have an ear for that in you know and finding those right ones to be able to continually improve your process and and better integrate technology that's a great resource for for that side of things and then yeah I just kind of those are those are kind of the main ones uh, that I listen to I'm always interested in in kind of next generation planning so from a, again, from a more U.S. perspective, I listen to the XYPN network podcast. Uh, it's a bit dated now, but some of the, the the U.S. being a little bit further ahead of us in in that nature, that's a good one as far as you know being relevant to to all advisors here as we start to you know figure out the next way that we you know market to and are able to service next generation clients in that transfer of wealth. So yeah, those are those would be some of the main ones that I listen to. The rest are kind of lifestyle ones. You know, I can't talk all about the financial ones. Uh, those are those do take a big part of you know my listening time. But I've got a fathering or dad's edge when I got two young kids at home. So looking to better myself in that side of things as well. It's called the dad's edge. And then I'm just generally interested in you know daily knowledge in in all areas of things. So TED Talks has, has just some great ones. Uh, the TED Radio Hour is a, a very
0: one that I, I listen to quite a bit, quite often too, for just general knowledge. That's fantastic, and you know, what, look, you're, you're subscribed to so many different resources. You're you're growing your skills so quickly, and and that's probably why you're so successful so far in your career. So it's all about the advice. So I, I'm sure you're ready for this question as we're wrapping up here. So this podcast is all about really growing your practice. So do you have any parting words of wisdom for the listeners? I just want to focus on on just one thing. You're going to pick one thing from everything, which you just said or which you haven't shared yet. What would be one piece of advice for the listeners?
1: Okay. Yeah, no, I have been ready and I'm ready to answer this one for sure. And I'll, I'll keep it to that one point. And it is just that next step as far as, so you, you're listening to the podcast now, what I found success kind of in, in, even in just the last year is I actually, you know, don't be afraid to reach out to some of these resources. And I can't stress it enough. Everybody, I'm sure we'll get to it as far as giving uh, my own details out, but you know, you have all these people with great ideas who are willing to share them. So you take in these things and the next step is then I found success, you know, with, with those who either I have questions with or, you know, have really good alignment with as far as their beliefs and their vision for, for how we continue to, to make this profession better. Taking that next step and, you know, reaching out to them and saying, hey, do you have 15 minutes to to collaborate or answer some, some kind of questions? and and And, just get that additional take from them, as far as you know what they've been successful with, some of their experiences, where they they see things going, and really all oh, those are those have been the most valuable conversations i've I've had, and I've learned so much and, and and I'm so grateful for those those people that take the time to speak to me, but I think you'll find just in general and and I'm speaking to advisors who have been in the industry for a long point in time right down to those who are relatively new like myself i think that interaction
0: that ability to reach out is is just key and it's really helped me out that time yeah so this uh this is fantastic and uh, there's a saying that i really like it's uh you're never too old to learn you are never too young to teach so so that's that's fantastic so if you want to you know help uh, some of uh, some of the younger folks maybe th- thinking about joining uh, the industry, or maybe the more established advisors who are thinking about refining some of their practices around financial planning. If anyone wants to get a hold of you, maybe, uh, Zach, how would they do that? What's the best way to reach you?
1: Yeah, great. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty active on my LinkedIn profile, so by all means, send me a, send me a message on there and we can then coordinate a, a phone call if, if that's what people someone's interested in doing. You can also get a hold of me through my work email, which is zsmith at sagium.com. And yeah, yeah, like you mentioned, I've been I've been using those resources uh, as far as you reaching out to some of these people. And I'm more than happy t- uh, to do the same for anybody who would like to have a further discussion on anything we talked about today, or or just general, you know, continued betterment of of the industry
0: and and, and throwing some ideas back and forth. Fantastic. Zach, thanks for coming on the show. And I'm pleased that you share so much about your journey so far. I really enjoyed the conversation. Oh, it's been great. Thanks for having me. That's it for this episode. If you enjoyed it, I would really appreciate if you left us a great review in iTunes, because that helps us get discovered. And if you want to get in touch with us, please email podcast at snapprojections.com. Thanks, and I'll talk to you next time.